This is the EWN Podcast Network. Do you want fabulous countertops in your new home that you're building? With so many solid surface material options, how is a homeowner to choose? Join us today as expert Julie Arcelet takes us from our, our recent episode on natural stone to our conversation about man-made countertops and sustainability. Welcome to From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. When interior designer Jana Rosenblatt had an 80-foot tree fall on her house, she saw the opportunity to create the customized home of her dreams. From Disaster to Dream Home provides you with the information and resources Jana wished she had during her rebuilding process. Now she's sharing with you the expertise of leading architects and home builders and the newest products and materials on the market. Here's your host, Jana Rosenblatt. Welcome back, home builders and remodelers, to another episode of From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that will take you through the process of building or rebuilding a new home from the ground up in 52 episodes. If you are rebuilding after the loss of your home or building a new home from the ground up, each episode of From Disaster to Dream Home will help you and your design team know what you will need to to do and have available in the construction process to make it fluid so your dream can rise from the ashes. Our guest again today is Julie Arcelet. We learned so much in our conversation with Julie about natural stone and its many uses, and we've asked her to join us again today for a deep dive into man-made solid surface options for our countertops and other uses inside and outside of our homes. Julie is currently the designer sales manager at Constantino Los Angeles. Julie's area of expertise is in assisting designers with product training and education, so they, in turn, can educate their clients. For more than 15 years, Julie has been active in the design industry, both in showrooms and through her involvement in the industry's top organizations, the American Institute of Architects, the American Society of Interior Designers, and the National Kitchen and Bath Association. She has seen the changes and innovations in countertop materials firsthand, and her enthusiasm for natural and man-made countertop materials is contagious. Constantino, as a company, has also made huge transitions from 1945, when they began harvesting natural stone in Spain, to 1988, when they launched their first manufactured stone materials, until today, when they remain on the cutting edge of the industry with their man-made style stone, sensa, and now decton, ultra-compact surface materials. Early in both of our careers, the solid surface countertop materials on the market were predominantly natural stone. There have been so many changes in the last 30 years. As the material options and price ranges are so great, where do you begin when a customer comes into the showroom? Anna, thank you for having me. I think what we do when the customer come, or the consumer comes into the showroom is learn a little bit about their project, what space they're looking uh, at, if they've got a colorway or a pattern or even something they want to stay away from. 
So this way we can help guide them to the right product that would fit their lifestyle and their needs. And, you know, price is such a huge range in this um, industry. Um, do you try to get a, an idea of their budget or do you go for the romance of what are, are they attracted to and then start talking about, you know, their financial options? I think, you know, we've done this long enough. If we see them gravitating to a certain, um, whether it's natural or man-made, then kind of give them an idea of what price point we're looking at. Um, if we find maybe it's like a developer and they're coming in and looking for just a basic white, then we know not to show them a, you know, $15,000 slab. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think just, again, as interior designers, you know, do and salespeople as well, kind of understanding a little bit, asking the proper questions. Again, so you're leading them in the right direction. You don't want to waste their time or your time mm -hmm. uh, showing them a product that they definitely don't even want to consider, um, whether it's price point or just the look. And do people come in and ask about price early on? Like, is are, are people nervous about that? Or is it a really not so much because of the internet? We uh -huh. can Google and hone in and think, okay, maybe this is where we want to go. Mm -hmm. um, rarely do you get someone that comes in for a price point. Um, if it's someone who's flipping a home or a developer, you know, they may already have their connections in the industry. So uh, I think everybody's, you know, it's pretty transparent. We have to be. So you're not going to have a consumer coming in hiding the fact uh, or what they're working on. So, but I think the internet, it, you know, it has its positive and negatives, but yeah. most of us have an idea where we're going and what we're looking for, whether it's a jacket or a surface mm -hmm. or something. Well, and certainly, you know, that's your role is to educate designers so that I do try to educate the client to some degree before we go into the showroom so that, you know, I don't, I don't like to create opportunities for disappointment and I don't do it in a way that is going to limit their choices as much as say, this is the, this is the series of options you have. You right. can, you know, this can be where you put your investment or you can average that into the other materials that you want to, you know, that you have to work with and, and yeah. spread out the funds. And I think in general, most salespeople should know that, you know, you're going to put that higher ticket items maybe in the primary space or a guest bathroom where you want your guests to really enjoy that space. But our everyday use, you know, may, we may save a little bit of money there and it's more practical. You know, we want something more durable, but we also don't want to spend a lot of money as well. Um, and then with our, you know, our kitchens are now the heart of the home. hundred plus years ago, it was where our servants were. So now it's, you know, more of that high point. So you may want to spend a little bit of money there, but there's other ways to cut those costs as well, whether it's the backsplash, mm -hmm. uh, maybe a different finish on the plumbing or, or knobs or something to save a little bit of money to offset, you know, if you're looking at a real gem of a surface to put onto that kitchen counter. Now, so when you're rebuilding a home, um, the contractor creates, usually creates a budget for all the materials and the countertop materials are in that budget. Do you find that people are who come in with their contractors budgets have a, a realistic expectation of what the varying materials should cost? I think it depends on the contractor. Mm -hmm. So are they going to use just a white or gray and call it a day, or are they going to allow for a little bit more money to go into that budget when it comes to remodeling and having to work with budgets? 
Um, the nice thing, and pretty much across the board in any product, you have a good a variety of a, a comfortable entry-level product at price point, uh, and then you can go up from there. So I think most manufacturers have a, a price point that could fit everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then obviously you have those that you have to kind of save up to obtain for, uh, those higher ticket items, but, um, it just, uh, uh, once in a while, or especially working with architectural firms that maybe are building a multi-use, you know, they have that set budget, but there's a good variety, you know, you have a good amount of colors and styles and, you know, looks to pull from in those price points. Yeah, I think that's it is one of the most difficult things for me, uh, especially on a rebuilding project, because uh, mostly people who are rebuilding after disaster are not people who chose to, you know, thought they would ever in their lifetime build a new home. And so they are not the people who have been scanning Pinterest and, you know, creating files of uh, materials for years to see the process of how prices change over time. So, um that's one of the you know first things I have to do is take a look at the budget and say, you know what, you have way too many lights in this room. Let's add to the solid surfaces budget. Let's nip and tuck and you know and shift things a little bit because um, I want them to have the flexibility to fall in love with it because it's such a major investment in their homes. Yeah, 100%. So the first man-made solid surface countertops um, were invented in the 60s and became popular in the 90s which is DuPont's Corium. It's Mm -hmm. heat resistant, stain resistant, and it requires no yearly maintenance to preserve. Its surface um, has shine and durability. In all my years, I have only had one client request it for bathroom renovations. And it's got great qualities, but I find the colors and textures are dated, especially because those are the surfaces we are removing in household renovations now. And it's probably what people had in their homes when they lost their homes to a fire or a disaster. And so what, you know, coming into the mar- this marketplace, that's not what they're looking for. Um, have you had any experience with Corian? And, um, and what are your feelings, you know, about it as a current option? Uh, many years ago, when I first came into the industry, uh, I did have some experience with Corian. Uh, I did like it when it first came out. Um, you were a bit limited, you know, when you think about it, even though you had the durability and the shine. Uh, when I think about Corey and I just think of that muddled, you know, it was all one piece. Yeah. Um, we like to see the sink under, you know, undermounted from that, whatever surface that we have on top. Um, it has its place. I don't see much of it anymore. Uh don't hear a lot about it anymore. I'm sure with technology, they've made some changes, but I really, to be honest with you, haven't seen it in the LA marketplace. Yeah, it, it is in, um, it's in kitchen cabinetry showrooms, but mm-hmm. it but I don't see it in uh, general tile and stone uh, showrooms okay. anywhere. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. What's interesting to me is I actually, when we first bought our home, it had Corian countertops, which, you know, were they were very neutral looking, but they were kind of a pretty blue with speckles. And I kind of loved it. I, that was my first solid surface countertop. Mm. And so I just was thrilled to not have grout. So, you know, I, I did enjoy them. But certainly as soon as I had an opportunity to replace them, 
I did. Um, then in the 1990s, man-made quartz started working its way into the industry and has gone from limited selections of colors and styles to endless range of options. Mm -hmm. What is quartz, uh, the solid surface material? So quartz is actual um, natural product. Quartz is what you find in marble. Quartz, it's kind of like a gray, milky. So if you look at any, I'm sorry, not marble, granite. So if you look at any granite, whether it has a gray color or just that black or white or even the pink, you'll see a little bit of a clear milky. That's the quartz. The quartz is what gives natural stone its strength. As a manufacturer, we found, you know, natural stone is beautiful. It has its place. Not everybody cares for natural stone, whether the fact that they don't have control over the pattern or the fact that they have to seal it. It's, it's like a sponge, so it's going to absorb everything that, that sits on top of it. Uh, as we looked into just as Cosentino, we were the very first manufacturer to introduce or produce quartz. As we did our research, as I mentioned, quartz is this, the part of granite that makes it so strong. So we harvest that quartz. We do bring in other minerals. When it comes to quartz surfaces, we bring in glass or mm -hmm. manufacturers will bring in glass. They'll bring in porcelain as well. And these are all items that would have gone into the landfill. So not necessarily pedestal sinks and toilets that would have gone out of a remodel home, but from those manufacturers, all of their scraps, any items that were broken during manufacturing that would have gone into the landfill. Companies purchase those. They purchase the uh, runoff or remnants from natural stone quarries so that we could pull that quartz out of it because we only need a little bit. Uh -huh. uh, we mix all of that together with a binder, which is a resin, and that gets mixed into uh, the quartz, the minerals that are in there, any pigments when you're adding color to those slabs, any porcelain or glass, depending on the look or end look of that slab that you're producing. Um, so that gets mixed into the solid surface uh, or becomes a solid surface and all of those items are, are bind together by a resin. The only downfall when it comes to quartz, because you can, there's a number of companies that produce quartz product. For the most part, they have the same mechanism or makeup in their DNA. Um, that resin can get damaged by high, high temperatures. So you can't take a pot right off the stove and place it onto the countertop or a tray, cookie, cookie tray out of the uh, oven and place it onto the counter, but also countertop appliances our uh, countertop toaster ovens, even our toasters, our um, um, crock pots, they produce such high temperature that they can actually damage the quartz surface. So the manufacturer actually will tell you to put a trevet down. So quartz and man-made product is a great option for when you want a solid surface that is non-porous that it, you can cut directly on and not scratch. Um, you don't have to worry about sealing it. And uh, you also don't have to worry about a great movement of pattern when you're trying to get that stone look. You have more control over that. And, and so what actually is resin? Is it a plastic? Similar to a plastic, correct. Mm -hmm. And that's why it, can, it can't withstand a high, high temperature. Uh-huh, I see. Um, but most of your quartz 
product or countertops are going to have that binding agent in it. And you're not going to want to use them outside because they'll be um, also affected by sun or can you? By sun and also the heat. So the sun can fade them or change the color. Um, And then the heat could possibly, depending on the area of the country, um, damage the uh, binding agent. So quartz that now comes in a wide variety of colors and patterns, many really successfully imitating natural marble. You you can't even tell. And the main pro for my clients is getting that desired white marble look without all of the um, drawbacks of real marble uh, in terms of having to seal it and the things that can stain it and, and all of that. So they kind of get that high end, you know, kitchen look in our 1950s track home or, you know, whatever you're, you're building um, as well as in high end homes that just want that hyper function. Uh, so how do cooks feel about that? We talked a little about um, chefs with natural marble. Um, how do people who are really using their kitchens feel about the surfaces? Well, the nice thing about the solid surface is versus tile and grout, um, you'll have a solid surface. You can roll dough right out on that. You can write a note to the family or have the kids do homework (laughs) on that. Uh Um, It's not going to be porous. So you don't have to worry about, while we do clean up after cooking raw meats, you don't have to worry about it sitting or maybe splattering somewhere and sitting on that counter. Um, with natural stone or even grout when, when, and if you happen to have tile, it is a, a natural item. So the grout and it'll absorb whatever's sitting on top of that. So you may have mold start to grow, um, with solid quartz surfaces, you don't have that issue. You can uh, cut directly on top of most of them. The only issue you have with quartz is a high, high temperature. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of competition now in the marketplace for quartz. Um, Are there differences in the materials uh, composition and function from one brand to the next? There could be a slight difference on what they're pulling in for, like I said, for the most part, the uh, makeup of the product is going to be the same. Um, When you start looking at different manufacturers, you may want to look at the sustainability of how they're harvesting those uh and or those products that they're putting in mm-hmm. um at cosentino we take the planet to heart uh, we actually recently both our our silestone which is our quartz and our decton which is our ultra compact have been certified as carbon neutral so with each slab that we produce we're reducing our carbon footprint uh, one by how we're producing them because we're producing mm-hmm. our own electricity we're recycling all mm-hmm. of our water we have very little off gases from gas equipment running through the factory because it's all automated and, and robots moving around. But also the companies that we're working from that we're purchasing our goods from. Um, we're purchasing uh, uh, porcelain and glass that would have gone into landfills. So we're taking that out of um, the planet, the natural stone that we're pulling out, that the quartz that goes into our quartz product Uh, We're working with sustainable quarries that are taking or keeping the planet in mind. Um, So when you're looking at price points and companies, uh, you know, who are we working with? Who are we buying from? I know to some consumers that doesn't matter or maybe the budget doesn't quite fit. Um, But just thinking about who you're purchasing from um, and then also the quality of the product. Uh, Lower price may not have a nice pattern to it or a real clean look to it. Um, um, 
also another thing too is um, one thing I didn't talk about the fabrication side of it Mm -hmm. um, with our product, with quartz product and even natural stone um, as they're cutting into that, they're releasing um, organisms that can cause cancer. So considering as they're making that up at Cosentino, we were able to actually reduce the amount of spores that come out as the fabricators are cutting in to it, uh, the silica that comes out of the quartz, um, making it much more safer for the fabricators. So there's a lot of factors that consumers don't always think about. They're just like, oh, that's a great price point. I'm okay with that color, that finish. Yeah. But I think for the most part, a lot of companies, you know, they're being regulated by the government or by the uh, countries. And um, we all have to be mindful and safe with what we're producing. Interesting aspects to consider. So if I had a dollar for every time I've explained to a client that quartz is man-made and quartzite is natural stone, I could retire. Um, Why do you think, wasn't there like another name we could come up with besides quartz, like Fred? Well, quartzite wasn't as prominent in the marketplace as quartz products were being produced. Um, they weren't quite sure. And as I mentioned earlier, sometimes uh, quartzite will be mislabeled incorrectly or marble will be mislabeled incorrectly because they resemble each other quite a bit. What makes quartzite and quartz products so much more durable than marble or even granite is the amount of quartz. Quartz, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I mean, it has helped me to have this conversation with you. So I will be a little less... um, a little more clear and lucid about my explanation when I am continuously uh, explaining that factor. So, about- well, and I think a lot of companies have realized too, we really need to educate, not just yes. the trade that we call on as employees or, you know, representatives of those company, but also the consumers, um, making sure that we're educating them as best as we can. This is true. Uh, About 10 years ago, when I was designing dentist offices, I first became aware of porcelain slabs for countertops. I was looking specifically for non-porous countertop options that were impervious to liquids and chemicals, could withstand heat, and uh, are easy to sterilize. So porcelain slabs at the time were rare, and finding a skilled fabricator was even more rare. Um, Now, every showroom does have a version of porcelain solid surfaces. What are the pros for residential use? So, again, because it's man-made, you have have the look of a natural stone in a man-made product. Um, You have more control of that pattern. So when we're looking at those beautiful marbles that have all that veining and great pattern going through it, when it comes to porcelain or man-made, you have more control of what that pattern is going to look. So if you're pulling multiple slabs for a large kitchen or even flooring with porcelain, um, you have that same repeat pattern. Even though the one slab may have three or four patterns in it, the next slab is going to have the same repeat. Um, sometimes you have book matching options. So when you're going on a larger scale, it's not just that one slab for that one island or that one backsplash. Um, going man-made with a porcelain or a quartz, you have more control over the pattern, so you don't get a real busyness going on um, as far as that. As you mentioned, the strength and durability of porcelain, um, it does have its downfalls. Um, and what are and those? the ability to cut on it. <laughs> So some downfalls on porcelain is we are placing the photo right 
onto that porcelain body, right? Whether it's uh-huh. a tile or a full slab, because it's a photo on top, the base is going to be white, mm-hmm. which is fine. If you have a white top, if you get a little chip or a nick, you're going to see the white. When you have an issue is when you're going darker because we like all those colors or maybe a blue or a terracotta or a dark black. If it does get a chip or a nick, it's you're going to see the white body underneath. It's not full uh, color all the way through versus a quartz that has full color and pattern going all the way through. So if you do get a chip or a nick, you're going to see just like natural stone. You'll see the same thing with natural stone. Also porcelain, um, because of the way it's uh, produced, it's going to have a little bit of a bowing. So it's not a perfectly flat straight. It looks flat from the top, but it has a little bit of a, it's not a a flat piece. So when you're going onto flooring, um, they have to be, take that into consideration um, what they're setting that material in, or, and even more so on stair treads, you can't have any of that bowing, um, when they're installing that on there as well. So, um, what about for shower walls and places where I would think that it's lighter weight because it's thinner than, um, natural material. So if you were working with some slab, um, shower style, would it, would you be able to do that? Again, yes, you can. But again, it's the mortar that they're putting in. So that mortar allows uh-huh. that to kind of play with it. So on the outside, it's all flat and perfect, but you may have a little mortar in the center because of that little bit of, it's not a flat piece. Yeah, so that relies on, um, on the training of the fabricator, which is my next question. So what are the differences um, for fabricators in processing porcelain? Because I know um, in that and in Decton, um, you need to... Uh, have a, um, a certificate to be able to process and fabricate those materials. What's the difference for the fabricator? So when it comes to natural stone and quartz and, and even quartzite, uh, it's the blades that they're going to be cutting with. So the stronger, the more denser the product, the better and stronger blades. Um, typically because porcelain so strong or so um, dense, fabricators don't necessarily care to cut it because uh, they go through blades pretty quickly. Um, they may not want to ex- put in the expense to buy the stronger blade where it's not going to cut. So porcelain, unless they're kind of just laying that down, whether it's a full slab or certain size tiles that fit perfect, uh, fabricators may want to shy away from it just because it's cutting into it. Um, or they're going to charge more because they're going to be purchasing more blades. Yes, they do. Yes, they do charge more. Uh, so and, consider and that while yes, you're, you, know, exactly. you might be saving money that's and you're right. getting that look, consider right. what that fabrication cost may be. Right, exactly. Wow. Yeah, With almost all of solid surfaces, you have to weigh in both the factors. Also, it's interesting, but regionally, uh, you know, I do a certain amount of work in, in on the East Coast because I'm from there, and there... Um, the materials are are more expensive, but the and the fabrication is more expensive. And here, the fabrication is less expensive because we have more influx of really skilled people from Mexico and you know other areas. Um, do you find is it um, known to you that there's a range in the cost of things across the country in different places? Yes, I think across the board on any type of product that you're yeah. selling price point's going to be different. 
uh, installation and fabrication is going to be different. Yeah, I mean, it's about the transportation to the area with these large right. materials, as well as the labor available to do the fabrication. Correct. And remember, being on a coastal, you know, you've got ships that come in. You can offload those ships, put them on a truck and get them to that destination. If you're in the middle of the country, the ship has to come in, then it's got to travel and right, by train and then even truck and things like that. So that sometimes can um, alter that, that and cost results. So as porcelain is the only countertop that I know of, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that's specifically impervious to, to heat and sun, um, is it, it's great. Is it good for outdoor use? Is it a good thing to do in an outdoor kitchen? It depends on, I want to say no, because remember they're imposing a photo onto oh. that body of porcelain. So the UV, the sun is going to damage. Um, if you've got some overhead or some shading, then not an issue. Um, the only product that would be a great and better fit than porcelain indoors and especially outdoors would be our Decton. Mm -hmm. So Decton is an ultra compact surface and we are able to manipulate the beauty of mother nature with high tech advances. Um, with Decton, it is heat resistant and UV resistant. It has a 25 year warranty, um, which means for at least 25 years, we can guarantee that you're not going to get a change in this color. Uh, you're not going to lose the pattern. Uh, sometimes on the less expensive porcelain, you'll get a little bit of a, you'll start to see the color kind of come off where those cuts were, or that pattern come off where those cuts were. Um, with Decton, uh, it's actually five times stronger than porcelain. It does have full body color. So when you're going into that dark color, whatever that dark base is, even if there's veining, uh, that's what's going to be in that body. And it's extremely flat. So you don't have to worry about installation, having to float things and set things, you know, or something might settle if you have too much mortar. Um, so in comparison to uh, porcelain, while it has its place, uh, Decton would be a better fit when it goes, uh, especially outdoors, but it's also a great application for indoors as well. And, and what other materials would we be um, wise to um, look for specifically for our, our outdoor barbecues and uh, fireplaces and things like that? Obviously, you can put granite out there uh -huh. um, because it is a, it's, comes from nature. It's been outside its entire life. Mm -hmm. um, it is porous. So you have to keep that in mind when you've got a lot of uh, water, a lot of chemicals from pools, metal furniture sitting on it. Mm -hmm. You will start to get rusting on that. Uh -huh. um, and while it can be partially cleaned, you're still going to have that staining there. Um, with Decton, you're not going to have that issue because you can mm -hmm. remove whatever it sits on top because it doesn't penetrate in to the product like uh, natural stone. And then the other option, depending on the manufacturer, would be porcelain to go outdoors. So um, currently in your showroom, you have um, porcelain, you have Decton, you have 
Oh, what? No porcelain. Oh, okay. So, but Decton is your is your version of that kind of material of that category. Of not. It's a different category, so it's oh, not okay. our version of porcelain. Like I said, it does get compared to porcelain because of the strength, but it's actually five times stronger than porcelain. So it's um, stronger against chipping and um, and scratching. Correct, but also the weight. So, uh, or what the weight amount of weights being applied. Uh, Decton has been applied in parking garages with mm -hmm. not just vehicles going over, but also 18 wheelers going over. Mm -hmm. um, it's been placed on sidewalks in New York City. So you think about the grit and grind and they can still clean and remove anything that's uh, been applied onto the surface. And then they don't need to worry about um, uh, the elements of mother nature. Uh, Decton does not expand or contract. So you can get extremely tight joint lines with natural stone. It breathes, it expands and contracts. If you lock natural stone in and you have a freeze thaw situation, it can actually explode. Same thing with porcelain. Uh, with Decton, you're not going to have that issue. And it's because of the technology and how we produce the product that it's uh, amazing for outdoor use. So bringing it back to, um, to the indoor and to our kitchens per se, um, mm -hmm. what is the most popular um, materials that, that you're actually selling? You you're, you're have beautiful things to look at it. I could stay there all day. Um, but what are people um, purchasing specifically for their kitchens in terms of your um, uh, man-made versus um, uh, natural options? So we started in the stone industry. We still have stone. We actually produced a sealer called Sensa that we have a patent on. So you do not need to seal your stone for 15 years. Oh. I think in general, quartz product has been extremely popular. Um, you have the uh, no maintenance to it. You have uh, it's it's. Uh, scratch resistant. Um, it's not going to grow any mold or mildew. You have some great options of some colors and patterns. We're seeing, especially in the Los Angeles area, our Decton sales are really starting to grow. I think it's the fact that you can put heat directly on it. You can cut on it. You're going to dull your knife, but you're never going to damage that counter. <laughs> you have some great options. My husband would complain about that, but yeah, sharpen his knife again. Um, with Decton, our look of natural stone, we're so spot on to it that consumers are gravitating more to that because they don't need to seal it every year. They don't need to worry about cutting on it. They don't need to worry if wine or, or lemon juice was left on the counter for days at a time. Nail polish, it can come off. If it's outdoor and it happens to get spray painted on, they can remove the spray paint. Um, so we're seeing a huge trend in the LA marketplace across the board. Um, and then some of the other areas like New York and Chicago, uh, Canada, Decton is huge up there um, just because of the limitless possibilities of what you can do with it and where you can place it. So, so that um, reminds me to talk about um, the edge detail um, because, um, you know, there are many different ways to finish the edge of the countertop and it is one of the places for some creativity or simplicity. And um, if you're looking for um, a series of curves 
uh, or uh, or rounded, which is a little bit dated, but there are still people who are really looking for a, a certain amount of curviness um, or that kind of beautiful, simple um, uh, bevel cut or, um, uh, you know, where you can join the material and it's seamless. You don't see a seam at all. Um, what are the pros and cons of different materials in terms of how you can achieve that edge detail that you're looking for? So when it comes to an edge detail, your pro on the surface that you're selecting is going to be the fact that, that that if you're going with a veining look, that that veining goes all the way through the body, which you're going to find in natural stone and most quartz product. Um, when it comes to a man-made such as um, porcelain or ardecton, you're going to have a limit. You know, everything has its pros and cons. You're going to have a limit on what edge detail you have. With porcelain, there's some manufacturers that do make that beveled, but when you look at it versus the flat surface, it, it tends to look very fake mm -hmm. versus a granite or, or marble that you're going to have a beautiful edge detail because that veining goes all the way through the surface. With Decton, you don't have full body veining yet. We will have that technology in 2023. So in just a few months, we will be launching full body, which will give you a few more options on edge detail. So with Decton, you're either going to get that uh, straight, just clean, no detail. You can miter the two pieces together. So then you can make the front of that detail look a little bit larger versus the actual size of the slab. Or you can do what is called a shark nose. Uh, so if you think about a shark, the way the nose comes in a little bit or tapers in at the bottom, um, you can get that look with Decton as well. But part, the big part of that is we don't have the full uh, body veining, mm -hmm. which will limit so your... what you're doing is you're cutting away the body material so that you can join the top surface to the top surface. And you know, luckily, I, I mean, for me, the most beautiful, I don't know whether it's just the fashion or now or uh, whether it's just classically going to be there forever. That beautiful um, uh, uh, cut where you, you know, assemble the two together so that the edges on the detail, you know, on the, on the very edge and then the uh, pattern can flow over um, is the most beautiful way to do it anyway. And you mm -hmm. can get, so it looks like it's a thick chunk of material, um, whether it's, you know, natural stone or uh, man-made it looks like it's you know a couple inches thick and it's you know got body and stability and and all yeah. of that yeah I think we're going away a bit from that real decorative edge detail uh, doesn't mean that it won't come back yeah and I <laughs> I've noticed that certainly in the taste and what people are looking for in my clients but I don't I, I've all, I've been wondering whether it's because we're choosing materials which are better used um, with uh, that uh, mitered edge, or uh, or it's just you know so it's becoming more prevalent. Yeah, I think too. Yes, we're so choosing a solid surface, and yes, we may want that elaborate or beautiful pattern and color. But I think because, and we're not talking about this, we have so many options for backsplashes. Uh -huh, that right, that's where we're putting all of our time and our beauty and, and it's complementing the surface that we, or maybe we want the backsplash to go away, but we have so many great patterns and sizes and just great detail that the two can complement each other. Um, so we don't need that really ornate decorative 
bull nose or nosing to that surface um, because we want to draw our eye up and focus more. You know, when you think about when we started doing all those ornate uh, finishes or edge details, we were limited on the backsplash. It was a four by four or three by six tile. You know, some people would run, you know, the rest of the slab up the wall, but we didn't have a whole lot of options. So we got really decorative with our, our edge detail. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's an interesting. Uh, you know, everything has a cause and effect. And mm -hmm. that's what's so interesting. I think in this conversation, you, you have a real sense of this happened because that happened. And this was something that we, you know, was prevalent. So it made that happen. And it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so I know you've had a lot of experience in the, within a, the appliance world. So uh, when uh, clients are rebuilding, especially because they, again, haven't been researching for you know years as a hobby what they want to do, what are your suggestions in how to approach uh, the appliances in a kitchen today? Well, I think we've learned, unless you don't plan on staying in your home for a long period, you're going to go with what's going to sell the house. But I think as we're living in our homes and learning what does and doesn't work, as I mentioned before, due to the pandemic, um, you want to think about the longevity of your appliance. Uh, think about the, the um, planet and the earth. Most appliance manufacturers, and it's changing a little bit, when they produce that stove, that microwave, that refrigerator, their lifespan is seven to 10 years. Doesn't mean your appliance isn't going to last 20 something years. My mother has my, you know, I don't even remember what brand still in her garage that I purchased over 20 years ago. Uh -huh. um, but most manufacturers are building appliances to last seven to 10 years. So they're going to go into that landfill or you're going to spend some money to have it uh, fixed. Think about companies that you're going to work with that have a lifespan expectancy of maybe 20 years. Uh, but they're also considering, and that doesn't mean that those seven to two, 10 year appliances don't consider this as well, but how long your food's going to last in your refrigerator. Mm -hmm. How many times have you spent now hundreds of dollars at the market and come home and your strawberries have gone bad in two days or your lettuce or um, even the meat, you know, so you want to keep that into consideration um, also your state and, and county codes, you know, in Southern California gas, you know, we love our gas ranges and our gas appliances, um, as it's getting more expensive, um, as we're being pushed more into solar panels, do we want to consider when remodeling going into electric or even induction for our cooking surface? They have their advantages. Um, do we want to go with an oven that's electric versus gas? Again, they have those advantages. Um, when you think about the amount of water we waste washing a plate versus loading up a dishwasher and running that once or twice a week, um, and what those manufacturers are doing, uh, with that water and how they're cleaning. So, uh, you're going, you know, as you mentioned before, and, and when it's coming, having to rebuild your home when you weren't planning on it, mm -hmm. um, thinking, you know, being a little bit smarter about our choices, we might be limited on a budget that we can't, you know, go spend all this money on this or that, but think about, okay, what didn't work for me in that home? Yes, I love my home. And unfortunately I lost it, but I 
I didn't like the way my gas oven was, you know, I had to turn the tray halfway through the meal to get the cookies to brown on the other side. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of options out there and really working with uh, your designer, but also the salesperson, making sure that they're educating you and, and taking your needs into consideration. So then are there any other innovations in countertops that we haven't talked about? Um, what's becoming a little more trending, it's challenging the man-made companies to uh -huh. rethink this, oh. is integrated appliances. So the way they see the future is you're going to put your pot on that surface and there's going to actually be an induction top underneath that surface and you're going to be able to cook uh, for you to be able to come over to your countertop. And that's actually your um, device, like an iPad or something that you're touching. So you're actually doing it on the counter and it's projecting onto the wall. Right. You know, as much as we may not like technology, it's here. It's only going to uh, be more advanced. It's in reality is going to make our life easier. <laughs> you know, think about uh, having a solid surface and that's also your cooking surface right and you're not having crumbs and critters getting into whatever that cooktop you would use before so um, that's pushing the technology for the manufacturers of how they can marry those two um, when you think about a wall oven your wall oven has a window correct or just your oven in general even if you have a, a, a stove it has a window mm -hmm. The only reason why that window is there is for you to be able to see that there's a fire in that oven. Oh, I thought it was to, you know, ogle your cookies or your turkey. Yeah, or you don't have to open or you can see. No, right. because manufacturers have, they have to produce an oven cavity that will contain a fire for up to two hours. Uh-huh. So if you're upstairs, right. if you're outside, you, you may not smell it. Right. But you need to be able to walk by and look and go, oh, is my roast on fire or did I burn my cookies? It's not to see, oh boy, they're going to be done two minutes early. <laughs> it's to be able to see that fire. Where technology is though, is you could technically cover that oven with a custom panel and be able to look on your device because you'll get a notification on your smartphone uh -huh. that you're, there's a fire in your oven. That would be useful. Yeah, but we're not there technically where we're all going to be connecting our appliances to our smart device or the TV in the family room where you're watching oh the gosh. game and you get a prompt that says, you know, your, your cookies will be done in two minutes uh, or the oven's been no. turned off because your meal is complete. I see. Yeah, um, I'd rather get the, um, the warning about my cookies than about the fire in my oven, but it's better yeah. to get it than to have an issue. That's yeah. for sure. Wow, that is really interesting. I, I had no idea. It makes complete sense. I mean, especially with induction cooktops and all cooktops and all of the different ways appliances are going, that those materials are going to find a way to merge and that cause changes in both industries. Mm -hmm. So, Julie, I'm curious, what kind of countertops do you have in your house? I do have quartz. I had tile for a long time and I hated it. <laughs> oh yeah, I get that. <laughs> uh, and so I do have quartz. Uh, I am 
trying to talk my husband into it because it's only been a few years since we've done our kitchen uh, putting our deck on in. <laughs> I'm just blown away question. by the dirt. <laughs> I, I'm blown away yeah. by the durability, by the look. Yes. I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful. And to not have to worry about sealing a natural stone, I can get that look with the quartz. Uh-huh. Uh, not worry about what's being placed on the counter, uh, whether or not, you know, the husband or the kids put a trevet. Uh, we just recently adopted a Siberian Husky and she's yes. grabbing stuff off the counter. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on that, but uh-huh. you know, what is she pushing or grabbing uh, when I'm not in there. So, um, that's where I'm starting to get them on board. Um, but I like the longevity. I like the sustainability of it. Um, both our products are cradle to grave. So once you remove those products out of the home, or even if they're damaged in a a fire, um, they can be broken down and, and, reused and put back into other counters, which I like as well. That is great. You anticipated my last question, which is if you were to do it again, what would you cho- what would you choose? Uh, I also have when I did my kitchen again, it was quartz. Uh, I I love my quartz. It's amazing. Uh, I think I would also look toward um, Decton or something when I, if I ever got to do it again, but I'm just grateful I got to do it the last time when the tree fell on my house and made everything possible for our. (laughs) Well, Um, I think as you're rebuilding and, or even just remodeling, you know, yes, we choose to remodel. So we may have saved up to do that. And unfortunately in a rebuild or, you know, because of a disaster, we have no choice, but um, manufacturers across the board are, are smarter and technology is making things easier and better. And we have more options, um, which is really great. When you think about kitchens, it was a stove, a uh, maybe a dishwasher and a refrigerator, mm-hmm. maybe even a hood. Some you know didn't even put in a hood. And now you have endless possibilities of what you can do. Um, and that, you know, you can see that as a benefit of unfortunately, you know, living through disaster and having to rebuild, um, Mm -hmm. what you can do a little better or change that you may not have liked in your home prior. Yes. It's, it's, um, looking at it as an opportunity, uh, instead of a disaster, which takes time, but is, um, is the blessing, you know, the, the silver lining. That's right. The silver lining. Yeah. So with the combination of our episodes on natural and man-made solid surfaces, we hope that you feel confident beginning your search for the solution that fits your lifestyle and aesthetics best. You can find more information about solid surfaces at consentino.com. And you can find Julie on uh, Instagram at Julie Arcelay and on Facebook at Jay Arcelay to continue the conversation. And we would love to hear from you with any questions and comments you have about uh, any of our topics or any of our guests at www.fromdisastertodreamhome.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode of From Disaster to Dream Home podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. Each week we bring you time-tested practices and the latest trends through conversations with top professionals in the building industry. You can find other episodes of From Disaster to Dream Home 
at EWNPodcastNetwork.com, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and most other major podcast streaming services. Need design help? You can contact us or find out more about our guests at FromDisasterToDreamHome.com. Until next time, let us guide and inspire you as you create the home of your dreams. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.